Welcome back to Record Time. I'm Anthony Schumacher. And I'm Will Hooks. Today we'll be reviewing Changes by Charles Bradley. So by Peter Gabriel. And Ooh Rabbi Yah by George Clanton. We've got some great albums lined up for this week, and we're really excited to talk about them. Uh, but we want to talk a little bit about the album that we're making right now, Not Enough. Yeah, that opening song you just heard, the intro, is titled in our drafts as Album Project One. It was the first song we made like when I got Logic on the new computer. It's still a work in progress. We, we've yet to make vocals for it, but uh, we're pretty proud of how it's come out so far. Yeah, we're still working on the lyrics for it. We don't have a, an official title for it yet, obviously. Yeah, we um, usually save that like for the very end. Like that's the last step in the artistic process is just like picking a naming scheme for the entire album at once just so we can name them all cohesively, you know? Yeah, and at least cohesively with the lyrics. And right now we've only finalized lyrics for around four of the songs out of the 13 in the track list. Um, although two of them are instrumental. So uh, what? We got we got six done. We're, <laughs> we're chugging along. Six could theoretically be named right now. <laughs> but now that that's out of the way, let's get into our albums. Will, do you want to talk about our first album? All right. So our first album this week is Changes by Charles Bradley. It's a 2016 modern blues album. Sadly, a year later in 2017, he passed away, but he left us with what is, I think, a truly incredible piece of music. Like the entire album is wonderful. Will, you just found out right now, right before we started the segment, that uh, he passed away in 2017. Uh, I did. How do you feel about that? I, don't I, I did not somehow find that uh, while listening. And that's crazy. I mean, this is a really great album. I, I, I am honestly stunned a little bit. <laughs> He's a little in shock. I was too when I found out. I'm sorry you had to find out right before we recorded this this review. He was born in, I think, 1947. So it's not... Or yeah, he was pretty old. He came to fame way later in life. Yeah. Um, but oh my gosh, did he deserve it? Let's get into the, the album. Yeah. God Bless America was a fantastic intro, so much so that I kind of forgot to write notes during it. No, I agree. I don't think there's a ton to say about it. It's got some great choir parts. It introduces his like uh, speaking cadence that he uses a lot throughout the album. Yeah. And I think that works very well even over the music. It, it represents that uh, gospel-like feeling. Like you can hear some background, uh, I wouldn't even call them vocalists. It sounds like the audience. Yeah. Remember uh, Kendrick Lamar's Eye? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know how, like, I mean, that's a live recording. I'm not sure if the ones that I'm referring to are live as well, but uh, it sure sounds live. Like the, the way he comes across is awesome in those sections. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's, it's a great opener. It's nothing like super special. There's not a lot I can say about it, but it's, it's a really nice song and a great opening. Mm -hmm. And it keeps it short. So as an intro, yeah. it does its job short and sweet. Perfect. Immediately on Good To Be Back Home, I wrote down his scream is amazing. He's got such a powerful voice. Oh my he goodness. absolutely owns every single one of these songs. His his presence is so powerful. I, I don't know if there's any point where he's not using his voice to its maximum potential. Not in that yep. he's screaming every second, but just in that like every time the music calls for it, he's exactly what it needs it to be. I agree. And Good To Be Back Home also is just a super fun song in general. It's got a great groove. And then the horns and guitar really escalate in the third third of the song. Uh, and it, it's a really fun song. Yeah, he's really good. And we're, we're going to talk about this with Peter Gabriel too. Previous generations of musicians seem to have a really good grasp on how to ramp up a song. 
Like, I, I don't know yeah. that I see that all the time anymore. And I wish I did because it's such like a powerful way to emphasize like a hook just to have like a last chorus that goes all out or like a, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. It's a good trope. And I do also think it's a trope that has been largely abandoned. Um, not, not completely. I still think there are good examples of it, mm-hmm. but there are some great examples of it uh, in its prime in the, in these couple of albums that we reviewed. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I remember thinking at the end of uh, Good to Be Back Home, just this is my new favorite song. It's so catchy. It's so much fun. It's really good. Yeah. It's, it's so underrated too. The fact that this isn't like, I mean, this whole album should be a hit. Like I, I wish I heard like every single one of these songs on it. I agree. I feel like this album had the potential to reinvigorate the public's uh, interest in blues in, in the 2010s and beyond. Um, I don't feel like that super happened. Just like I don't really feel like Childish Gambino's uh, Awaken My Love really yeah. created a whole new funk revival either. Or, I mean, there, the same thing was being said about, like, Kendrick's... I, I just mentioned to Butterfly when I said I. Like, there there was a lot of elements of that album that people were like, oh, this is going to come back now. I saw a little bit of that when we listened to the J.I.D. album last year. And, like, I heard some of those, like, strings being used similarly. Some, some of those funk grooves that, like, Kendrick had 10 years ago are being not recycled, but like, I love when that kind of sound pops back up. Yeah. And so the next song after, uh, nobody, but you or sorry, uh, good to be back home is nobody, but you, and it's a beautiful song. Uh, the ending goes absolutely crazy again with that, the trope of, of ramping it up and, and really going hard in that end. The horns are crazy. And I would say they were elite if it wasn't for one specific other time in this album. <laughs> where there are some of the best horns that I've ever heard. Yeah, Nobody But You marks the first time on the album where in my notes I just started like writing out like lyrics that stuck with me. Yeah. I have the Nobody But You, babe. And then the stellar vocal performance doesn't end there and going to give it up, uh, continues that. He's absolutely fantastic there. It's a, it's a great bass line, which I think this album is really good with there are some really great bass lines on this album and the drums also just the whole rhythm section of ain't gonna give it up is great yeah the, i have like the jittery synth that yeah they present on that it's the first time that a synth so i don't think there's any more synths on the album after this is there, there might be some synth organs oh sure i believe that yeah. but um just in general it's the only time where like i can clearly hear like a synth sound being portrayed there yeah and i love it it's yeah. such like it's it fits right in the groove like they know exactly where to use it it's amazing. Yeah. And then so now moving on to the the titular song Changes, a Black Sabbath cover, uh, which is strange. But I mean, stranger covers have been made. It far exceeds Black Sabbath's changes. I, I never really liked Black Sabbath changes. I didn't know it existed uh, before you told me. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard it and may have just got the two songs conflated. Mm-hmm. Black Sabbath's changes is a lot more whiny. Mm. And it, I was just never the biggest fan of it. The soul that Charles Bradley brings uh, in this rendition feels so much more natural in this song. It, it, it fits in like, like a the glove, song yeah. belongs here. Yeah. Yeah. I also felt like the way they, um, which is interesting that it's a Black Sabbath song because the changes, you know how Nirvana uses dynamic range, like create, like there's like that titular, like Nirvana, like shift into the chorus. Yeah. It feels like that. If that were blues, like it, it's goes from that, like real chill, like, still a lot of emotion packed in there those verses yeah but it's when it ramps up into that chorus you're floating yeah you're gone it also fades away before i'm ready for it to end like i, I wanted to go on for like 10 minutes <laughs> right 
And then, I mean, after it fades away, you get Ain't It a Sin, which yeah. I love. <laughs> Another strong contender for favorite song on the album for me. Uh, although I, I think I think there's a clear favorite song, actually, and it's not Ain't It a Sin. But when I listened to Ain't It a Sin, it, it really felt like my favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. The groove is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's another great bass line, and it's just... The bass lines don't stop on this album. No, they don't. Like, it's bass line after bass line after bass line of, like, perfection to me. I, yeah. I won't even... Okay. Uh, I don't want to tip my hand too far here, but I think most, if not everything on this album, is basically perfected. Like, I think everybody yeah. playing every instrument is playing exactly what they need to be playing. I think Charles Bradley is right where he needs to be vocally, and they support each other so well. Like, it's it's... The whole thing is perfect. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the the groove and the melody is is absolutely fantastic on Anderson. It's so good. On things we do for love, the next song it is very much a throwback. Like it feels like those like fifties sixties vocals. I can tell that Charles Bradley has like a clear reference for those. Yeah, I mean like a lot of these songs, I would believe, are like from the the like sixties blues revival, mm-hmm. um, and yet they were written in twenty sixteen. At least you know most of them, not changes. I did wonder that, like, he did come into his uh, fame old, and I wonder how many of these songs he'd written in, like, the 80s, and, like, he just kept his back pocket, yeah. Yeah, so On Things We Do For Love, they've also got great background singers, those come up a lot, like, not just the choir that sometimes come in, but actual background singers, uh, which are strong on this second half of the album, as well as the organs, I think, really start to show up strong in the second half. And then, so... To, to speed up things a little, we'll skip over a couple songs. Change for the world. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's the Barry intro. That's how I was introduced to it. I know yep. you've watched a little bit of Barry, but you're not, like, into it the way I am. Um, I was intimately familiar with this this horn section. It makes for a great intro title card. Um, but what I was surprised to find out is that it makes for a great song, too. <laughs> it's easily my favorite song in the album there there are contenders but this one kind of just blows them out of the water mm-hmm. the horns like i alluded to earlier are some of the best horns i've ever heard the horns are used for the berry intro and i i know why it's just yeah. captivating they're mm-hmm. so good and i mean that's not even mentioning his vocals which are you know more spoken word more hitting that that gospel type beat mm-hmm. and Oh God, it's so good. Yeah, like the verses really don't follow a traditional like vocal structure. He's, it's like spoken word poetry in yeah. those moments. And oh, it carries. It's like Ugh. everything good about the album is present in the song in full force. Yeah, it brings everything together. It's so good. So I guess overall, what did you think of the album? I gave it a ten out of ten. A this 10 is out of 10. my first ten out of ten in a long time. I'm not kidding. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, this is kind of why we started the podcast, just to to find more things that really get us going. This is a ten out of ten for me. This will definitely encourage me to look into this, uh, like blues revival stuff more. Yeah. Um. This is this is the gold standard for me. Yeah. It it was absolutely an amazing album. Uh, I gave it a nine out of ten. Wow. Again, it's hard to it's hard to say what makes an album a ten. Or, or a nine. Uh, I, I feel like this was a nine. And a nine is so, so strong. It was an amazing, fantastic, whatever you want to describe it as. Go listen to it. It's so much fun. Uh, I, I loved it. I mean, yeah, we brought up that 10 quality last time on our last episode. Yeah. I, this, to me, this has got it. It's got that like little back pocket charm, that, that extra like ounce of effort that they put into every song. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, please go check it out.
The next album we listened to this week was So by Peter Gabriel. I had never listened to this album, uh, and I, funnily enough, didn't know Peter Gabriel by name. And that's funny because I, I mentioned that we were listening to this album this week to my dad and my brother, and they both immediately knew the album. They loved both this album and Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel is a former member of Genesis, along with people like Phil Collins, which makes sense because I thought the sound of this album was similar to Phil Collins, uh, as well as I thought it also had a, a David Gilmour sound to it. Mm, you're saying names, I don't know. <laughs> David Gilmour is the guitarist for Pink Floyd, mm. who's also done solo stuff. And I yeah. think this is more similar to the solo stuff that David, David Gilmour has done. Um, and Phil Collins also in Genesis, the drummer, and also has done solo stuff that you've definitely heard. Like, I can feel it in the air tonight. Oh, yeah, sure, okay. So he, like, kind of invented that, like, really spacey uh, drum sound. That was the first song that, like, used that reverb drum stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It was fun to learn that this was one of my dad's first favorite albums. He had it on cassette. He was pretty young when it came out, and, I mean, just loved it loved all of it and the fact that we've avoided it until now (laughs) yeah it was a little surprising to him that i had never listened to it all the way through so will let's get into it uh what did you think of the album i thought it was really good it's very 80s uh but i don't think that's a bad thing at all it's it's a lot of fun it's got some great synths all around yeah peter gabriel uses the 80s soundscape i think to some probably its fullest potential. I think this is like the most I've ever listened to an 80s project and been floored by how how well the 80s elements fit. It doesn't feel dated, it just feels good. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And if we want to break it down a little bit by song, Red Rain, the intro, is such a good song. Oh, There's brilliant. such a palpable emotion in his voice and the soundscape behind it fits it so well. I, I think it's such a good song to really open up this album which goes over a few main themes and red rain does a great job of opening that yeah and on the next song sledgehammer that hook is god tier they knew how to write hooks in the 80s what were they doing oh cocaine but (laughs) yeah sledgehammer was one of the the two songs that i had heard before on this album and sledgehammer was the like number one hit out of this album the one that you know got a video and was really popular Mm mm-hmm I think it's a super fun poppy song. I I don't even think that it's one of the strongest songs in this album, but that doesn't make it bad at all. It's one of the stronger pop songs that come out of the 80s. Yeah, no, it's... If you want to get into, like, the 80s music, but you you feel like everything you've heard is either overplayed or just sounds dated, this is a top-tier pick to try to, you know... Yeah, it's great. It's got a good catchy chorus and really fun horns that carry that along. The horns are really fun on this album. It also syncs up with the synth, and I love that synth yeah. like going on. It, it drives it. And the next song, Don't Give Up, uh, has a Kate Bush feature. That was Kate Bush! Yeah. Okay, see, okay, okay. See, I said that it sounded like Heaven or Las Vegas on the uh, oh, like chorus. Twins. Sounded a little Cocteau Twins to me. Yeah, and I mean, Kate Bush is great on this song. Her voice fits perfectly. It's got that like soft ethereality that... I mean, I get how that can be similar to Cocteau Twins. And it ends with a very, very fun, like it, it ramps itself up. It does ramp really And then really leaves well. you hanging. Yeah. Like I wanted, I wanted more song at that point. It I was like, surely Kate more. Bush will come back. Yeah. The next song I want to talk about is Mercy Street. 
I thought Mercy Street was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vocal melody and performance and, and the lyrics, kind of the, the trifecta of vocals, were all great on this song. It was soft and emotional, but also a good listening experience and all of that together. I, Mercy Street, I think, was easily one of the stronger songs in this album. It's a very well-rounded song. Yeah. I was jealous of his songwriting ability in this section. Right. It's really well-written. There seems to be like a through line of intentionality with every instrument, like moment, voice, line. I trust the people making these songs to put their entire being into it like every time yeah they really go all out and trying to like i wouldn't say it's maximalist yeah not maximalist but so much effort into making the song that they set out to make and i think it's really good and then mercy street leads right into big time which i also loved and it it switches from that soft emotional uh greatness of mercy street into just a really fun really fun song really fun beat it is so danceable it's got a great energy the synth stands out, maybe one of the best synths on the album, and the, the synth on this album in general is very good. Yeah, I, those drums, like I can feel them hitting me when the speakers are playing. Yeah. Like, they're, they're so punchy. And it's catchy too, catchy in a good way. Oh yeah, catchy isn't always like my favorite thing in a song. Right. Every time they go for catchy here, I'm all on board. Like, it doesn't phase me once. Right. I, I mean, I agree. Catchy can either be annoying, but when it's done right... I think it's some of the best stuff a song can have. My favorite song off the album was We Do What We're Told, which, oh my gosh, slows it down. Like, it, I don't know, it doesn't go for catchy in that moment. Right. It just goes for gracious. I don't know. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's effortlessly, like it tugs at my tear ducts. I, I want to, I just feel so in it when I'm listening to that song. Yeah, I really liked We Do What We're Told too. The vocals on that song, I think, are really powerful. It's proof that he doesn't need to sing in a, like, danceable way to get, like, a big emotion across. And I think for, like, an album like this, that makes it way more well-rounded to me. I agree. It really shows that he can do everything, like, on all ends of the spectrum. And then finally, there's there's In Your Eyes, which is probably the, the, the second most popular song on this album. Uh, the, the only other one that I've heard before. And I think it's a great song. Maybe better than Sledgehammer. It's it's hard to say. They're very different songs. I'm a Sledgehammer guy myself. I don't know that it would have closed the album better, but I, I liked Sledgehammer more. Right. I just think In Your Eyes is so... It has a, a lot more of a powerful impact. But that's because Sledgehammer doesn't really go for that. Yeah, it's so early in the album it can get away with just being fun and awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so in the end, I mean, what did you rate this album? I rated this album a 9. I also rated this album a 9. Yeah. I it's not perfect to me. Like I I see where the hype comes from though. Yeah. Like it's very very polished. It's very very fun. Uh if you want to enjoy some just good 80s tunes and you don't want to hear like that like just cheesy outdated vibe, you'd rather hear something that's like still substantial and still like hits our ears is like good. Uh definitely check this album out. Oh, absolutely. Just a great album overall. Uh that's two nines for me this week. I mean, yeah, just a, a really, really good album. You should right. check it out. Let's see if we hit a trifecta. Our third album this week is Ooh Rapaya. Ooh Rapaya by George Clanton. George Clanton. His name does not sound like he would make the kind of music that he makes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No. George Clanton kind of sounds like like a fifth Beatle or something. Or a mix of, <laughs> of George Harrison and, and Eric Clapton. Yeah. George Clanton. Well, Will, Beyond what did you that, think though. of Ooh Rapaya? Yeah. <laughs> Duns me with what he's able to make in this album. 
stuns you. Okay, you might have rated it higher off the bat, I think, than I than I rated it. I liked this album quite a bit. I think it's really good. Right. Uh, it's especially a good background album. Like, if I put it on in the background and was doing something else, it's so catchy. It's so fun all the way through. Uh, it reminds me of, like... I, I heard it referred to as, like, internet pop. What it, uh, I've heard it referred to as um electro pop so okay like, yeah kind of electro music or electric music um and and poppiness uh vaporwave inspired which is interesting that's, that's what i was trying to get at it's it sounds very vaporwavy to me yeah he doesn't self-describe himself as a as a vaporwave artist he mm-hmm. doesn't think his music fits that but i mean one of the songs on this is called vapor king yeah i so mean like like he knows that his audience includes some vaporwave fans yeah I think Vapor King is my... Uh, I'm jumping the gun here. I think Vapor King is my favorite song off the album. It is wonderful. It's great. That that So it's Vapor King slash Subreal. Uh, it's kind of a, a, a dual song instrumental album. Or sorry, instrumental song. And yeah, that song's great. Uh, it, it has such a good switch up uh, in the middle of the song yeah. when it switches into Subreal, I assume. Um, oh, is that why there's and, a slash? And the beat you know? that picks up is, is really fun. And I mean... It's understandable why those songs are combined into one because they're not too different. It seems like they use the same vocals. Like they're mm. mostly instrumental, but they do use some vocals in that. It gets the most vaporwave there, and and that's kind of exemplary of that. He also gets really, really deep into the mixing of this song. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the vocals and the synths, they swirl around your head oh, at yeah. like different intervals. It feels all encompassing. It's awesome. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention before we started getting into all the songs is just the vibe of this album. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how he does it. I feel like George Clanton has been able to distill the perfect feeling of pleasant contentment into Mm. musical form. Sure. It's just being comfortably at ease. And that's why I think it's like, I I didn't mean it as an insult when I called it background music. It really, really lets you like settle into your environment in a way that, oh just and also for those of you that haven't heard the album that does not mean it's a it's a soft slow album oh no not even close this album is a wall or i mean at least it opens with a wall of noise and it's a very loud album Mm -hmm. and i also want to touch again on the catchy side of things how catchy can be done wrong or done right catchy is done right in this album so many times Mm -hmm. there are some amazing catchy things that i've had stuck in my head for the past week some great lines in multiple of these songs. And he also nails the switch-ups. He does a lot of switch-ups in this yeah. album. Um, he does, like, mess with, like, what's the core of his songs, like, at a lot of different points. He'll just take things out that seem essential and replace them with something interesting that you're just fascinated with for a little bit. Yeah. Like, he'll step back and be like, no, I watch this. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really interesting how he uses his voice on this album. He doesn't stay in one zone at all uh he, he switches between a few different zones sometimes even in the same song mm-hmm. yeah the entire time i could tell it wasn't features that he was using like I, I could tell it was his voice and he was just doing different stuff with it uh i did some research afterwards he does all of this himself like he's oh, yeah. completely self-sufficient um which is thoroughly thoroughly impressive like as an independent artist to put something out like this is wonderful right the only features on this album one by his wife on fucking up my life and one from an artist named hatchy uh on the last song for you i will and they both just do background stuff and on for you i will that 
that vocal, I mean, that backup singer feature is really catchy. Just that sound that, mm-hmm. that I, I can't recreate I don't, it here. Yeah, you know, it, I don't really have the musical vocabulary for a lot of this. Like there's, yeah. there's stuff in this album that feels uh, not outside of my comfort zone. Like I was, again, we were very comfortable listening to it. Yeah. But uh, just to the extent that I don't have all the words to describe like what X, Y, or Z was. He's, he's like yeah. a mixing like... He's very experimental with his mixing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, it's, again, a very loud album, mm-hmm. and yet I never found it abrasive. I thought that was that that's an extreme feat, because yeah. it's real easy for sounds to get abrasive. I thought the first song was the most abrasive the album gets. I think it's like, yeah. it's, it starts at its version of like a 10, and then like a, where a lot of the songs focus, like most of their sound and energy is like those thumping drums. Like he uses really the cool, really great grunge so drums. So good in this yeah. album, they're so punchy. Yep, and they've got great reverb on them. Mm-hmm. They just fill up the soundscape around your ears. Yeah, they're so good. How do we get those drums, man? How does he get them? I'm sure he has a. I don't know. I don't know how he does a lot of the sound yeah. on this, but my my first thought, really, when listening to this album, is like, how was he able to just like create good music? Like, it's just straight good music. Mm-hmm. He, he's created the epitome of good music. Oh, yeah. There's not a there's not a miss on the album. I don't... We should mention... No. I don't, there's not a single song where I'm like, oh, that was... Eh. Like, I all wrote, the way through, it's great. Like, probably the weakest song on the album was You Hold the Key and I Found It. But it's not a bad song at all. Yeah, I don't got nothing against that song. No, it's a good song. It's interesting to be, like, on the lookout for, like, the worst song on the album when we're doing these reviews. Cause right, I just think it was, like... I don't know. I feel like every other song has something just discernibly that I want to come back and listen to. Yeah. And I mean, that song, wow, good, didn't have something. I mean, it even technically did. It has a really fun delayed guitar uh, throughout the whole first part that is fun to listen to. And so, it, like, that's me looking for somewhere to say that this album is. Yeah, but it, overall, it's not, it doesn't falter. It's just a good, fun listen. The, the titular Ooh Rap I Ah song. I loved the, he uses U-Rap-I-Ah. He says U-Rap-I-Ah. I, I, w- I would try to make the the melody, but I don't want to embarrass myself. But that's catchy. <laughs> I mean, so many of these songs are catchy. Fucking Up My Life is catchy. I've Been Young, fucking fantastic. His artist description on Spotify says something like, uh, like, if you don't know what U-Rap-I-Ah means, then you're like, you don't get it or something like that. Like, <laughs> I was confused when I clicked on that. I was like, it looks like he should be, uh, like, making, like, punk music or something. Like, actually, he does make, uh, or, I mean, before this, he made a little more grunge music. Oh, They're a little grungier. Not to say that he made grunge music. He made kind of the same electropop, but with a lot more grunge influence. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can really hear this a lot, hear that a lot on this album, except for Fucking Up My Life, when he does put that kind of distortion over his voice, it yeah. sounds a little more grunge influenced, but for the most part, that's not really present on this album. Fucking up my life is like probably the st- not stand out in any like positive way. Like they're all pretty great songs, but it doesn't sound like the rest of the album. Like the whole album it doesn't has, as much. I think yeah. it was written early. At least I, I took a cursory look. It looks like it was the first single it, it, at least a few years before the rest of the album came oh, out. Oh, so he really different probably creative vibes from when he made that song to like the rest of it right it was a lot closer to his his album before this which i haven't listened to but i I listened to a few songs off of it and it's 
definitely more grunge. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like fucking up my life hits the nail on the head with epitomizing the like pleasant contentness of this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the line, I'm fucking up my life. And it feels all right. It feels all right. Like, or I mean, that's the chorus. But yeah. like, I think that that hits the nail on the head. And I mean, same with the first song, everything I want, like being content. Yeah. Even though everything might not be all right, it's being content. So, Will, overall, what did you think of Urapaya? I gave this album a 10 out of 10. Wow! That's a lot! It's an amazing album. It is only my 16th album I've ever consciously rated a 10. Wow! It is a breathtakingly good album. I mean, I, I'm not going to take anything away from you there. I, I hope I didn't... <laughs> It sounded like we were very much in agreement about like what we liked about the album, but I think you just liked all the parts that you were talking about a lot more than I did. <laughs> I like this album. I think it's pretty good. I gave it a seven. It's good. Wow. Like that's not it's that's not a bad rating. I want to be clear. Mm-hmm. It's I liked it a lot. I, I want to reiterate a seven is not a bad rating, but uh, I don't know. It just it misses a couple of those like special qualities that that bring that up. I, I don't think anything's like missing off of this album. I don't think anything would be like made insanely better if something was changed. I just think uh, where I'm at or like how I see this kind of music, I, I, I'm rating it as a seven right now. That's where I'm at. And I understand that. I didn't expect you coming into this to, I mean, rate it a 10, uh, but, you know, just in general, not to like it as much as I did. Um, just because of our, our previous musical tastes. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad to hear that you did like it overall. Um, and I mean, I've rated good albums 7 out of 10s. Mm-hmm. I just think this this album perfectly captures what it wanted to do. And does it perfectly. Without a flaw. And it's fun while doing it. It is. It's so good in my book. It is a 10 out of 10 for me. All right. Well, that concludes the review section of our podcast. Uh, now we'd like to take a look at some fan responses. We got an email from an Elena Caligiru. She left a couple sound effects for us to, to listen to. Uh, Will, whenever you're ready. That was a nice one. That was a pretty good sound effect. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if this is copyrighted. I'm going to skip this. Okay, well, uh, thank you, Elena Kay, for sending those in. Um, again, yeah, I want to reiterate from last week, if you want to send just, like, any audio files of anything, uh, screaming's always welcome, but just, like, whatever you got going on, uh, tell us about it in our email. We are recordtimepod at gmail.com. And what about any comments? Did we get any in the Q&A section last oh, week? Oh, that's a great question. We did. Here's one. Uh, a fan said, love it. You guys go so much deeper than I ever would. So it's nice to learn more than just, quote unquote, it's a good song. Thank you so much for saying that. It makes my heart fuzzy. You guys are allowed to comment again. I know last week I got real cagey about that because someone <laughs> said something mean. But, you know, it's allowed. Very much so. <laughs> and also, thank you guys for voting on the poll last week. Um, I think there was a tie between uh, So and Urapaya for most anticipated albums of this week. And that leads me into our albums that we'll be reviewing next week. We'll have another poll going below if you guys want to go rate that on your phone. Uh, But the albums we'll be doing next week, do you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, We'll be doing Soul Lady by Yukika. Les Cinq Saisons by Harmonium. And You Will Never Know Why by Sweet Trip. 
I'm excited for those albums, and I'm also interested to see which ones that you guys may be most interested in. Sure. Uh, So make sure to vote in the poll. Leave any comments if you have anything to say. And if you want to follow any of our social media, we are at Record Time Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And also, if you want to email us for any reason, suggestions, or, you know, just sending random audio files, we are at recordtimepod at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. 